Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Well, it depends on who you ask. You see, you see, if you ask some people, they'll tell you America's on the wrong track. But if you ask other people, they'll tell you America's on the wrong track. And if you ask still other people, they'll just tell you you're a racist. Tony Katz, Tony Katz, today it is good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. I don't know, how do you respond to the people who call you a bigot because they disagree with you? I mean, I've had a whole thing. Whole thing this weekend. It's kind of nuts. The anti-Semitism, I can't say it's growing, it's just I'm getting more of it. People feel real confident. In thinking they understand uh, me or Judaism or or my Judaism or anything else. Tony Katz, as I said, phone number 833-468-8669. First, you have NBC News saying that Biden's approval has gone down to 42% because of instability and chaos. This is an NBC News poll. Now, you know, if you don't know, I'll tell you, I'm not a believer in polls. I don't trust anything. I have had too many of these polls proved to be incorrect. And I just, I, I can't, I cannot believe them. But I think when you see enough data, you can extrapolate out some, some truths, some theories, etc. And I don't think you need a poll to take a look around you and say, my gosh, things are chaotic. We were talking the other day about how uh, people refer to this as unsettling. Things are unsettling. They're 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 odd. They're strange. It's it's not it's not how we see ourselves. We it used to be that you know we could uh, we we could handle all things. Now it's almost purposeful. Like people don't want to handle things. The answer is is crumbling as opposed to rising to meet the moment. According to a Democrat pollster, Peter Hart, here's the quote. What people voted for was stability and calm, and what they got was instability and chaos. Now, that's a really unique line because it it lends itself to the following question. Did the people get lied to? And the answer is, well, yes, the people got lied to. They got lied to that Biden could bring stability and calm, except that's not what that wasn't the lie. That's what they will tell you. We thought Biden was going to bring calm and he didn't. What if I told you there is no spoon? Okay, I'll leave the matrix out of this. What if I told you that everything actually was calm? What if we took the media insanity out of it and no media fight between them and Trump for power and we just looked at the country? Couldn't we argue with a level of strength and conviction that there was more calm? That there was more stability? Ask a business owner now versus a business owner two years ago under what environment they felt better in terms of growth, in terms of their future, in terms of charting the course of their own future. We are 10 months into the Biden administration and people are already questioning they don't what the future is. They don't know. They don't know which end is up. They don't know how it's going to work out. They don't know where interest rates are going to go. They don't know where their business is going to go. They don't know what their future is. 
And that's not all COVID, people. COVID has a place in these conversations. Remind me to get into the supply chain conversation, producer Ari. Remind me to do it. I already got it on the board. Because Pete Buttigieg is still spitting lies like hot fire. He can't stop. Well, you see, the problem is there's too much demand, and that's what's causing such a problem with supply chains. No, it's not. This is, again, part of the problem. If we honestly discuss these things, we will discuss that we have had a problem with the supply chain for decades. COVID poked some holes in it. Now we got to make some changes, and those changes involve changes to the unions that control the ports. And if they don't like it, too bad. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about the future of a nation and national security. If he was honest, that's the conversation that Pete Buttigieg would have. But Pete Buttigieg is not honest. He is political. People are honest. I know what you're saying. Oh, please, people lie all the time. The approval rating for Joe Biden is 42%. And I believe that number is ridiculous because there's no way 42% of Americans are okay with Joe Biden. But as I said, don't believe just one poll. Here's ABC News, an ABC News poll that says more Americans than not believe that the tax and spending bills will hurt them. 32% of Americans think the spending bills would hurt them, would people like them if they became law. 25% think it would help. Two in 10 think it makes no difference. If 25% of the people think the bill would help, 75% 75% think the people wouldn't, think it wouldn't. So it's a very weird number. Remember, they said 32% of Americans think the spending bills would hurt people. 25% think it would help. So 18% say no difference. What are the rest at? Well, they're in a place where they're saying that people don't have faith. This is ABC trying to spin it the best they can. More Americans than not believe that the social spending bill and the so-called infrastructure bill that has nothing to do with infrastructure will hurt them. Maybe that's why Democrats can't spell, can't sell it. They go on these little tours in states like my beloved Indiana. Oh, they're so proud of their tour to push Build Back Better. They can't sell it. They can't sell it across the country. And Joe Biden put together a whole press conference before he left for Europe to try and push the idea that we've got a framework, this is going to come together. No, it's not. I know that they're calling for a vote that may come uh, this week. They may they may try and do it tomorrow because they want to mess with or, or try and take some things away from the uh, Virginia governor's race. Terry McAuliffe, Glenn Youngkin, it's the biggest race in the country. It's the only race in the country. Well, that's not true. There is the New Jersey governor's race. But if the Republican runs in New Jersey, I will buy you all ice cream. And I'm, I'm not talking about just a cone. I'm talking about a cone that is dipped. I, I, I will lose my head. It's the Virginia race that's the, the big focus. And Glenn Yonkin, according to the polls, if we believe them, in three different polls is ahead. Does that mean the Republicans going to beat the Democrat, Terry McAuliffe? Well, I certainly hope so. I will be there just like you watching election results tomorrow night, bourbon in hand. But I've got one poll that shows that America thinks we're in a chaotic time and another poll that says the thing that they claim is going to save us and help us and reduce the inflation. Uh, 
uh, they have no faith in whatsoever. If you ask me uh, whether I believe this is true, I believe it is absolutely true. And I know it's absolutely true because Democrats have now twice tried to get this so-called infrastructure bill passed and haven't been able to get it passed their own party. It's telling you all you need to know. Every last bit of what you need to know, you're seeing right there. Meanwhile, President Biden, he heads himself uh, to the UK, heads himself to Glasgow, and and he is going to be part of this uh, UN. Uh, Was it a climate conference? They're gonna they're gonna save the 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 the, the world from climate change again. They're always saving the world from climate change. There's never a moment where climate change isn't the greatest threat in the world, and they've got all the answers. That's rapidly narrowing. This is a decisive decade in which we have an opportunity to prove ourselves. We can keep the goal of limiting global warming to just 1.5 degrees Celsius within our reach if we come together. If we commit to doing our part of each of our nations with determination and with ambition. That's what COP26 is all about. Glasgow must be the kickoff of a decade, a decade of ambition and innovation to preserve our shared future. We've been hearing this conversation for forever. We'll, we'll pass. You've been telling us that it's the end of days for forever, and we just want no part of it. It's not the end of days. Don't burn tires in the middle of the road. This has been a public service announcement from Tony Katz today. There, that that was easy. We solved the problem. Done. But Biden's trip, I don't think, has done uh, anybody any favors. And you realize that they set up this whole phony nonsense before he left so he could go to foreign leaders and say, oh, yeah, I got everything under control. Hoo-wee, yeah, you know me. I'm bringing people together. I'm Joe Biden. Where's my ice cream? That's, that was it. It was, all, it was all a game, all a shell game. Americans see this. And I, for one, feel good about it, just like they see the nonsense uh, of the critical race theory. And I've got some great stories on that. But one of the things that people are starting to see through now is the nonsense of the mandates. I've got that story coming up. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. Opposition to mandates makes perfect sense to me. It's a very American position because mandates are wrong. And the more we see about COVID, the more we learn, the more we know that it's wrong. The vaccine does not stop COVID. If the vaccine stopped COVID, then Jen Psaki would not have gotten COVID. But Jen Psaki did get COVID, and she is amongst the most protected people in the world. So stop the mandates. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, everything at TonyKatz.com. Follow me on Instagram, Tony Katz. That'd be great. I'd appreciate it. 
Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, has COVID. She's vaccinated. She's boosted. She's double masked. She got COVID. So what are we doing mandating people get vaccines? Mandating people get vaccines is to somehow make them believe that if they get the vaccine, uh, they'll never get COVID, which is not true. If they get the vaccine, they won't be able to spread COVID. That is also not true because she got it from her family. And I don't know where they got it from. Am I to believe that maybe she has young children I don't know about that aren't vaccinated? But we know from the UK studies that vaccinated and unvaccinated people carry the same viral load. So that has nothing to do with it. Further proving that mandates are unnecessary. And they are ridiculously dangerous. It's not just me saying so. This was a European politico discussing the absolute violence of mandates. And when you see a government mandating vaccines, that is a government you cannot trust. But it is not the goal that renders a system oppressive. It is always the methods by which the goal is pursued. Whenever a government claims to have the people's interest at heart, you need to think again. In the entire history of mankind, there has never been a political elite sincerely concerned about the well-being of regular people. What makes any of us think that it is different now? If the age of enlightenment has brought forth anything, then certainly this. Never take anything any government tells you at face value. Always question everything any government does or does not do. Always look for ulterior motives and always ask cui bono, who benefits? Whenever a political elite pushes an agenda this hard and resorts to extortion and manipulation to get their way, you can almost always be sure your benefit is definitely not what they had at heart. As far as I'm concerned, I will not be vaccinated with anything that has not been properly vetted and tested and has shown no sound scientific evidence that the benefits outweigh the disease itself and possible long-term side effects, which to this day we don't know anything about. Now, I will tell you that I have nothing against that theory. There's nothing wrong with saying that. I think that in in my conversations with doctors, it's very clear that the vaccine has helped people deal with symptoms of COVID for those who are symptomatic. Long-term effects, she's got the, the, the fine argument. Do we know? Of course we don't know. Which is why people are reticent to get their kids vaccinated. Because for them, they'll take a hit, they'll take a risk, they'll take a shot. For your kids, mm, less. It's a very rational conversation being had by this politico. Not rational is the city of New York. The city of New York has already said, sorry there, firefighters, vaccinated or you're out. Well, now you've got firefighters who are gone and you have 26 New York City firehouses that are out of service because of the vaccine mandate. This is the president of the Uniform Firefighters Association. For the mayor to turn around and say we can run this department with 25 to 35 percent less members is ignoring the fact that we can't even keep firehouses open today. 
But Mayor de Blasio, uh, look, uh, we've got 9,000 city employees on unpaid leave. Too bad for them. We've got now approximately 9,000 city employees on leave without, play, leave without pay today. So let's do it again. 9,000 city employees in leave without pay status at this moment out of a workforce of almost 400,000. So that's less than 6% of the entire workforce. Now, again, every one of those 9,000 is welcome to come back, get vaccinated. Is he bragging? It's only 9,000? It's only 6%. Look at the great work I've done. None of it is necessary because the unvaccinated are not a threat to the vaccinated. The data is in, and the idea of mandates provides no value. There are thousands of Air Force troops that are set to reject the vaccine mandate. Some 12,000 personnel declining any vaccine regimen. At the start of October, it was 60,000. They don't want it. What do we win by forcing it on them? What did we win by telling nurses, get vaccinated or you're out? Nurses, hospitals, where they follow the science, we're told. There is not a hospital administrator within the sound of my voice who can say to me that being vaccinated means you stop the spread of COVID. Because I'm only going to have to say Jen Psaki, and then we're done with the conversation. So why would you tell the nurses they have to be vaccinated? If you want to tell a nurse, hey, you don't have to be vaccinated, you still have a job. But if you get sick, we don't pay your sick leave. Well, you'd have a different fight on your hands, but you'd have more people say, okay, they made their choice. You would have more people doing that. And you still wouldn't have a great argument. Mandates make no sense. The data proves it. Jen Psaki proves it. No one could be more safe and more diligent than Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary. And me, I, I hope she's well. Look, I, I think she's I think she's a bad uh, she's bad at her job. I, I I don't like her approach. I think that she's very rude as press secretary. I don't want to see the woman sick. I just don't want to see her in any way representing our government. The difference between the two things. We're better off without the Air Force personnel. New York's really better off without the firefighters. Chicago feels they're better off without the cops. San Francisco is definitely not better. Because we're not being honest. And we're not talking about science. Not at all. As a matter of fact, it's an absolute pushing away of science to move ideology. The question, of course, is is why? I'm going to get into that a little bit later. Meanwhile, parents are speaking out in Loudoun County, Virginia. Elon, Elon Musk is speaking out about the future of the hungry. And I'm getting called names by the Jew haters on Facebook. It's just a Monday. It's Tony Katz today. So Senator Cinema went to a wedding. You know, the senator from Arizona who Democrats are all angry with as opposed to listening to because she doesn't want to do the $3.5 trillion infrastructure package, which really no longer exists and is now a $1.75 trillion spending bill 
that is going to be paid for with $1.995 trillion in tax increases, but somehow you're not going to get a tax increase and I'm not going to get a tax increase because we're supposed to believe these people who want to spend on social and not spend on infrastructure, even though they had called it an infrastructure bill and won't pass an infrastructure bill until they pass a social spending bill, which has nothing to do with infrastructure. Right. No, 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 we totally... We, 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 we totally believe them. 150%. Now, why wouldn't we? Tony Katz, ni- Tony Katz today. I forgot where I was for a second. It happens. 833-GOT-TONY. Would love to hear from you. 833-468-8669. That's the number specifically the people who are upset with Senator Cinema of Arizona. You think it's okay to follow her into the bathroom? Do you think that this is okay right here? Could you just go down to that This is a wedding that Senator Cinema was invited to. And Senator Cinema shows up. She's at the wedding. She's a guest. Protesters upset with Senator Cinema also show up. And they show up to protest and they will not leave. That is the mother, you hear, of the bride asking these people to leave. Just go down to the corner for an hour so my daughter can get married in peace. And nope. Just for an hour. Please. This person is not my daughter. My daughter's getting married. Will you tell her that? They'll leave if you just throw Senator Cinema out. I don't disagree with any of you people and your point of view and your rights. It's my daughter's wedding. Please, please just go down to the corner for one hour. Please. It's my daughter's wedding. Just one hour. Could you shave? These people think that they are good. They're so upset with Senator Cinema, she shouldn't be allowed to attend somebody's wedding. And you can't have a peaceful wedding if she's there. Now, I can't stop people from protesting outside. You're absolutely right. I can't stop people from doing such a thing, and I would never want to do such a thing. But I could stop them from interrupting my daughter's wedding, and any guest who isn't going to help me, that's a guest who will leave. I'm kind of surprised we didn't see that. But understand that these are the people who claim decency and goodness in our society. There is nothing good nor decent about them. Never has been, never will be. Decency is this is this conversation that comes up often. And really, it's a part of the conversation of civility. And civility is not the conversation of please and thank you. Civility is the conversation of the minority being able to speak without attacking anyone and the majority not slitting the throat of the minority. That's civility. 
Civility is being able to put ideas out into the public square. By the way, I finished uh, watching. I got to sit down from beginning to end and watch uh, The Closer by Dave Chappelle on on Netflix. I will discuss it. Something very interesting I picked up uh, from that. Well, civility is also the very idea that you don't teach people that they're bad. This comes from a Loudoun County mother, Loudoun County, Virginia, where a lot of the the conversations are going on uh, about uh, critical race theory. Now, the left still wants to somehow tell you that critical race theory is not taught in Virginia. They are desperate to continue this lie. Senator Tim Kaine talking about the governor's race out there and Terry McAuliffe. If you look at the Youngkin campaign, they've uh, they've made it about kind of invented, inflated issues like critical race theory. And to, to close their campaign with an ad uh, featuring a parent who waged a campaign against Toni Morrison's novel Beloved. I mean, it, it's just kind of unheard of. It's unheard of. And it harkens back to a long tradition in Virginia history. Jonathan, you might know my my father-in-law was the governor who ended segregation in Virginia, integrated public schools, and and he was hated for it at the time in the 1970s. He died just three days ago, and people are writing about how courageous he is. Linwood was 98 years old, and he, he thought that he had helped Virginia turn away from, you know, dog whistles and appeals to... Um, segregationist attitudes. So if we talk about critical race theory being taught in schools, we are hearkening back to segregation. It's people who believe there should be black classrooms and white classrooms who are hearkening back to segregation. It's college campuses that say safe spaces only for black people, only for people of color who are going back to segregation. It's Michigan State University uh, that says, hey, we've got masks here and gloves. They're free for people of color, but if you're white, they're 10 bucks. My gosh, you might as well have a different lunch counter. That's segregation. Then you've got Terry McAuliffe on Meet the Press blaming the parents for what's going on with school boards. They're talking about this critical race theory. And as I said before, and I'll say it again, it's never been taught in Virginia. And I really hate it because it's a racist dog whistle. And all Glenn Youngkin has done in this campaign is run down Virginia, run down our education system, run down our economy. And when you think of this right now on critical race theory, Chuck, it's not taught. So all you're doing is pitting parents against parents, parents against teachers, and they're using children as political pawns. Well, I believe that, indeed, the children are being used as political pawns. But let's get into this idea that critical race theory is not taught. Let's get into the idea of civility. This is a mother speaking to the Loudoun County School Board. Now, the Loudoun County School Board is a really, really ugly, ugly group of people. And they've proven it time and again. Uh, They're the ones who covered up a sexual assault in the school. They're the ones who are teaching critical race theory and claiming they're not. They're the ones silencing parents. And this mom lays it all out with a story about her own kids and specifically her six-year-old. 
My children are now in private school and are thriving. We had specifically moved into a case out of LCPS due to the swift and uncompromising political agenda of Superintendents Williams, Ziegler, and, and the school board that have forced upon us. First, it was in early spring of 2020 when my six-year-old somberly came to me and asked me if she was born evil because she was a white person, something she learned in a history lesson at school. Then you kept the schools closed for a year and a half despite the science indicating that it was safe for kids to return. And now you've covered up a rape, then arrested, humiliated, and falsely accused her parents of being domestic terrorists. I wish I could return my kids to LCPS. Private school is expensive, and I want my kids to be able to walk home from school with their friends in their own community. I refuse to allow you to destroy our schools. They are not your schools. They are our schools. You all should be ashamed, and you should have the moral courage to admit you are wrong and step down. Now I ask you, Terry McAuliffe, and I ask you, Senator Tim Kaine, a six-year-old comes to you and say, am I evil because I was born white? You really want to tell me that critical race theory isn't being taught in schools? Now, I'm saying to you right now, Terry McAuliffe and Senator Kane, if you're calling the six-year-old a liar or the mom a liar, we're going to have ourselves a unique conversation. No one thinks the mom is lying. No rational person willing to address the subject at hand thinks the mom is lying. No six-year-old believes that they were born evil. They are told they were born evil. They are told they were born wrong. A six-year-old would not have the capacity to do such a thing. Somebody told this kid they were evil. And if you want to say it's not critical race theory, you're more than welcome to. But we know critical race theory teaches these exact things. And the people who defend it are defending the indefensible. What they want to do is say, we need to have an open conversation about race. Fine by me. Does an open conversation about race include you're guilty and 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 you're guilty guilty because of your existence? We lump you in with anybody who's ever done anything wrong because, after all, you share these immutable characteristics. That is what critical race theory makes claim to. That is how it is presented. That whiteness is evil. What was the... It was a bit of data. I think it was from Barry Weiss. Let me see if I can find it. I I, I do think Barry Weiss was talking about it, formerly the New York Times. Uh, She writes uh, her own work on Substack now. Between 2013 and 2019, the frequency of the words white and racial privilege exploded by 1,200% in the New York Times and 1,500% in the Washington Post. As she discusses this in an interview, little to do with justice and everything to do with class. Well, that's probably dead on. But if these things are exploding in the culture, why wouldn't they then explode in the schools? And you don't think those things were brought up not to engage some level of guilt? Of course they were. And this is what makes it so uncivil and absolutely evil. People are not guilty by association. I have told this story. In my life, I have bought and sold a couple pieces of property, as many people have, a condo here, a townhouse there, working my way up to a home and building things up. And in, on three different occasions, 
uh, I, I sold to someone or I ended up renting to somebody who was black. And in those three occasions, I had the worst experiences ever. I had one person who came to the closing who all of a sudden demanded I, I, I start fixing things. I have one person who dragged their feet on the closing so much we had to close a day late. And I was buying another house. I had to give them some cash to keep the deal going because they wanted to pull out. And then I had a tenant after doing a background check who proceeded to destroy the house to the point where I, sh- I then had to short sell because I wasn't able to turn around fast enough to try and get it rented to maybe hold on. Am I to believe that in those experiences, I could never do a real estate deal with somebody who's black again? I'd be insane. But those three things did happen in my life. They happened. Oh, and as for the tenant, oh, if I could find them. Ooh, so mad. It's funny, it's been well over a decade, and I haven't got... The other ones I've, I've to an extent, gotten over. This one I haven't. I haven't gotten over it. Oh, uh, out, outraged out of my head. If it wasn't radio, there are no four-letter, five-letter, six-letter, or seven-letter words I wouldn't use right now. Oh! Oh, I just oh, despise that person. Would I be allowed to say, oh, I, w- I would never sell a house to a black person. Look what happened. It'd be insane. It would be insane to say that every person, because of a color of skin, is guilty because of what happened in these experiences. That's the problem with the whole concept of experiences. Your experiences are yours, but they do not create facts. It's not a data chain. People are like, well, these are my experiences. So the hell what? Somebody else could have had very different experiences. That, that, they, 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 they may mean something to you, but they don't mean something in, the, in, in any level of aggregate. They don't prove anything. Of course not. This six-year-old was told she was born evil by critical race theorists. Whether it was in school or whether it was in culture, that I cannot tell you. But let us not pretend that it isn't being taught in schools and let us not pretend that it isn't real. Because it's real. Of course it's real. To say otherwise is, well, to say otherwise is surreal. To say otherwise is nuts. Tim Kaine, Senator Kaine of Virginia, and Terry McAuliffe running for governor will never answer this question honestly. They don't know how. They don't know how because to answer it honestly would be seen as them being traitors to their ideology, and that leads to destruction, and they don't have what it takes. They don't have the strength to do it. They don't. They don't have the strength. They don't have the conviction. So so they do this. I want you to understand they're calling a six-year-old a liar and they're calling a six-year-old mom's six-year-old's mom, there we go, a liar. Ah, that's a weird position to put yourself in. Bold strategy. Let's see what happens. I'm Tony Katz.
Elon Musk is willing to make a deal. We're talking about Tesla, SpaceX, Elon Musk. He's taking a look at the billionaire tax. It figures he has to pay $50 billion if Democrats get their way. And he's like, it would be better spent uh, on fueling a mission to Mars. According to some, Elon Musk has a net worth of $311 billion. That's a lot of money for those of us playing uh, the, the, the home game. And he says, uh, they, they say 2% of Elon Musk's wealth could solve world hunger, according to the director of the UN Food Scarcity Program. And so Elon Musk wrote back, if the World Food Program can describe on this Twitter thread exactly how $6 billion will solve world hunger, I will sell Tesla stock right now and do it. That's exactly the answer. The ideologue never has a moment where spending more of your money isn't the answer. Just a little more money and a little more money and a little more money and a little more money. That's the answer. Well, exactly how much money is it going to take? If you say 2% of my wealth and that's $6 billion, okay, let's go. Let's go, let's go. I guarantee you there'll be no answer of any value, that is, to Elon Musk. Congressman Jim Jordan's with us. He's up next. This is Tony Katz today.